Uh, let me tell you real quick just a little bit about myself uh, so that you understand where I come from. Uh, and when I say this, I leaned in uh, to my executive pastor and said, I've made it back to Westminster. Several years ago, I was told I should never preach again, that I was uh, tainted and was no good. Now, you may look at me and you may think that too, but I'm so glad that you ain't in charge and all those folks that told me that, and I made it back to Westminster. Only difference is I'm on this side of town. On the, last time I was here, I was on the other side of town, all right? And so I'm super, super proud. I pastored Corinth Baptist, number two. I don't to go a highway for about seven years. God did some tremendous things out there. They are still some of the most incredible people that I have ever, ever had the privilege of serving. They were my very first pastorate. And so you got to understand they were some very, very tolerant people. All right. They were so good to me and they, they helped me to become the man I am today. Now I had the privilege of speaking uh, camp meeting, a uh, week of meetings for Pastor Kenny and Miss Lynn, uh, gosh, it's years ago now, it really it was his, it was you guys' exodus from uh, Earl's Grove. It was your, actually your last bit there, uh, the, the new pastor was on the scene, and uh, I was telling Pastor Kenny uh, that morning, now I'm, 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 let me back up and tell you, I'm from Neri, and if you don't know where Neri is, I feel sorry for you, all right? We mudcats, okay? All right, some of us are on the upper end, all Neri folk, and I got to preach a, a series of meetings for Pastor Kenny, and, and I, I, uh, I was fresh out of seminary and, and just starting into ministry, and God has always shown favor on me and my family, and I stepped out on that Sunday morning, something unique about Pastor Kenny, he was always, his, his revivalists or speakers, they started on run through the week, they, they, they were there for the whole shebang. I stepped out on that platform here in Westminster. Uh, I am privileged, privileged, and honored to stand behind the sacred desk that he occupies, he and Miss Lynn. I asked him a moment ago, had he retired from construction? I've always admired him, and he, he said, well, no. Uh, I don't even know why I asked that question, all right? Uh, he's up on, and, and uh, just someone I've always admired. The other thing I told him, y'all still with me? Say Amen. I know we stood you up for a long time. Some of you, you didn't make it. That's okay. We understand that. I know we're loud. I get it. I get it. I cut my teeth on very, very, very conservative Southern Baptist Church. My mentor was preacher called with Jesus now. And uh, you couldn't find no finer, all right? There is no finer than Mr. Carl Porner. And so just stay with me just a moment. But I, I, I tell you, I really, really appreciate it. Some of the folks said, well, what do we dre- how do we dress tonight? We're going to First Baptist Westminster. And I said, well, let me tell you. If I know Kenny well enough, and some of the other folk here, I said, just wear what you got. Now, I was threatened by some, they'd just come naked. I said, now, don't come naked. Lord, they'll kick us out, sure enough, right? You think I'm kidding. I'm not joking. I got some crazy folk, all right? I don't want to dare say any names with the oars, but I'm just saying there were some that threatened that, all right? And I said, just be yourself. We ask our band to be ourselves. I want to say to you that, listen, I, I, uh, I get the privilege of speaking a lot of places, very, very heavily involved with FCA, MAC. Uh, and Sandra and their, their boys, man, they mean the world to me. Max been a, f- a long time. Uh, believed in me when a lot didn't believe in me. Uh, Tanners, we, we, Tanners, we go way back. Um, gosh, f- as long as I can remember, I don't even, I don't ever remember. He went to uh, home churches, Lydia Baptist down in Neary. And um, his late dad, David, used to sing his heart out in that choir. I could still just hear him. Uh, wasn't that gifted at singing, but he had a song in his heart, him and Mr. Mason, oh my Lord. But anyway, I certainly appreciate uh, their family. And, and uh, I, I'm honored to have just about every single one of my pastoral staff with me tonight. I have our executive pastor, Bradley, here. Uh, I have our student pastor, Grayson Williams. Uh, I have worship pastor, Thad, is in the middle. kind of got hungry when you said KFC. And a phenomenal crew that I get to do life with on a weekly basis. All right. And so. Uh, whether that style of music is your flavor or not, you have to give it that the Holy Spirit was really thick in it and that the, the sound in your heart that we could feel, I get to experience that every week, every week. And I can remember a time when I was in seminary that they taught me how to lead and read music. I like to flunked out of seminary, to be honest with you, in the music class. <clears throat> I still can't read anything, but I, I, I remember learning this kind of here. And they said, sometimes you go to churches when they call you, they don't have anybody. You got to do it all. I'm glad I don't got to do it all. God's been faithful, all right? Thad and I made a pact a long time ago. 
He does the singing, I do the preaching, and we don't mix that up any whatsoever, and we've been very blessed to do so. My wife, Sandra, and my two daughters are here, Lana and Addie, tonight. We're very, very, very blessed family. We, we started our church, we planted a church, uh, really it birthed out of a home Bible study, a friend of ours uh, home, and there was about 12 of us, started six years ago, going in our seventh year, it's about 12 of us. We've peaked at over 400 people, not that we care, we don't publicize any numbers, right? God is very, very faithful. We have, we have seen many come to Christ, we've seen many baptized, we use an old horse trough. Now, we, we got a little fancy this year, we, we did have it rhino-lined and colored, our colors are orange, because God loves Clemson, I'm just being real with you, all right? Go ahead and turn me off if you don't, you know, all right. We've given them a lot of money, all right? So we, anyway, and God's been really good to us. In the process, we've, we've, we've moved several locations. I tell you all this so you can get an idea of where I'm going and how I preach and the style and how God uses me. We moved several locations, but prior to, to, to launching this church, I quit ministry. I, I, I give it up. I went through a, an incredible, uh, devastating time in my life. I, my daughter, myself, I didn't think I'd ever... Uh, have an opportunity to preach again. I was told I shouldn't and, 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 and couldn't and all that good stuff, as I said a minute ago. And, and I'll just tell you, you can't tell God what you're supposed to do and who's supposed to do it. He does the selecting and he does the gifting and he does the calling. And, and so in the process of planning the church, we've moved a few locations due to running out of space. And then we've been located at the high school at Seneca, an auditorium. Uh, we bought a piece of property downtown. It used to be the United Way building. Some of you may be familiar with that. Uh, and uh, we are renovating that currently. So we covered your prayers in that. It's a lot of red tape, a lot of, lot, a lot of money, first of all, but a lot of red tape. Uh, Joel Davis and his crew are, are fantastic. We've been friends a long time as well, and uh, they are doing the construction part. Once we get to that phase of it, we're still all the, all the paper trail and the schematics and all that good stuff. So we just absolutely covet your prayers. We're here tonight to, to just rightly divide the Word of God. And, and he said that this is a month of revival. I, I don't know why in the world, other than the Lord told him to do it, but why he had let me come do it to start it off. Um, I, I guess uh, you can only go up from here is, I guess, the way to look at that. You can only go up from here. Uh, I was standing there thinking, let's just keep singing. I don't, they're doing so well tonight. Let's just keep rolling. Y'all sit down. We'll just keep praising the Lord. But uh, I, I do have a fresh word in my heart. And I want to share that with you. Do you have your Bible with you tonight? Will you hold it up in the air and wave it like you just do care? You have your Bible. Man, I tell you, that blesses my heart. And if you got your, you got your device, that's cool too. I want you to open to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. I want you to look at the last chapter of Revelation, Revelation chapter 22. Now, my creative pastor is in the back. I, I completely forgot about him. He's tucked in the corner back there, his wife singing on stage with us. But uh, my creative pastor is back there, and, and he's got uh, l- uh, linked up with you guys' uh, media pastor or sound text and all that. So everything should be on the screen for you tonight. I want to tell you before I read, I'm going to read from Revelation 22. I'm only going to read one verse of Scripture. One of the things that Preacher Porner taught me was to bail my hay tight. There's a lot of truth in one verse of Scripture. There's a lot of truth, and I'm going to take about 30 minutes or so, 30 to 4 hours, just, just being real with you, okay? All right, and uh, I'm going to unpack uh, a message tonight called the, the, the Last Call, and I'll set all that in context in a moment. Um, but I wanted you to know I'm reading, it'll be on the screen, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Not just that's the only translation. I had to memorize the King James Version in Bible College and Seminary. All right, so, so don't be turned off by that. I just like it because I'm a little slow and it's just easier to read. And so I, I just appreciate the translation here. So if you will, I want you to listen attentively. I'll leave you seated and not you stood a long time. Revelation 22 verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty Come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Come, last call, last call. This is literally, literally the last invitation in the Word of God. All right? It didn't take any scholars to figure that out. This is the last invitation in the Bible. And so I want to talk to you again tonight about the last call. Now, let me tell you a little something else about me. You still with me? Say Amen. All right, making sure you're checking your amen. I've been, con- I've been called Baptocostal, so just hang on, all right? Buckle up, baby. Here we go. When I was growing up, my mom and dad, salt of the earth, my mom is in heaven, miss her every single day, would love a sitting spell on the back porch with my mama. Uh, for ju- I'd take five, I'd take a minute if he'd just let me have it. I miss her every day, and um, 
and so, excuse me, I remiss, I, I miss her. Uh, because my mom and dad worked in the cotton mill, my dad was a high school dropout. Uh, he uh, just saw to the earth, he, he didn't have much uh, um, book smarts, but was, was skilled with his hands. Now later on in life, he would go back to school, he would pick up the trade. Russell, uh, so good to see you and your family here and your son serving and family serving here at First Baptist. And, and uh, so I got to meet the Bryants and, 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 and uh, I think the world of them, they, they are a part of who I My dad picked up the trade. A tool and die, a CNC programming. So that's, that's what he would do. But at this point in life, he worked in the cotton mill. He worked in the slash room. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. My mom worked at what they used to call Sangamo. Y'all remember Sangamo? They would say, I'm 43, so I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember a few of those things. It was Sangamo. But my mom and dad, they worked the same shift. So a lot of times, my what I call nanny, my nanny Ruth, all right, my mom's mom. My people know her well. I talk about her all the time. I ask her to come tonight, but she's afraid to get out. She's had a couple spells, and getting older, I, take, I, try, I help take care of her. But she, she, she was so uh, apologetic about wanting to be here and wanting to see Mark and Mitzi and the crew and just be with us in this service. But anyway, growing up with her. Now, she, she lived, uh, still lives in the exact same place, but up above her house, uh, there was a circle neighborhood, all right? And so my brother, myself, and some of my cousins, when we got out of school and I got out of ball practice, we would, of course, go to my nanny's house, and, and we would take off to play once we got done with whatever we were supposed to do, homework. I, I, I'm, I'm assured that we had to do those things, and we would take off to play. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. And uh, we would take off to the hillside, and we would play with the neighborhood kids, and we'd play ball, or we'd fight. I mean, I'm being honest. We are not promoting violence, but we'd, we'd, we were just rough, you know, just boys. Hey, I've got one... Uh, a cousin that's a girl and, and she's like my little sister even to this day she's uh stay you know at the church with us and her kids and but she didn't really go play with us we'd go up the neighborhood and and uh sometimes we knew that we were supposed to be back sometimes you know it wasn't that far that we couldn't hear it's supper time all right now for you up on the table you all right i feel a little country up here in westminster and uh and, and we knew it, right? But just being young men and, 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 and wild kids, I'm still hard-headed, we would continue to play. Who wants to stop? We're having a good time. We're building clubhouses. Man, we didn't, we didn't have all the technology. You know, I told the church this morning, our kids would not have ever made it in the 80s or earlier. They, they just wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't know what to do. We'd pick up a stick and act like it was a gun. If it had a funny shape to it, it looked like a handle on a gun, watch out, son, I'm blowing everybody up. You know what I'm saying? And so we're having a good time, and we're playing, and, and I knew, and I could, we could hear, we could hear say, okay, come on, boys, it's time to go call, you know. There was this limit to it, though. You see, my nanny, I don't know how she does, I don't know how in the world she, she does. She worked at Jansen up until uh, my, we come along as kids. She retired out of Jansen, and she didn't have much education herself, and, but uh, she, she was wise, still as sharp as a tack, still as sharp as a tack. And she had this ability to, to maneuver her mouth in a position that when she whistled, you knew you better get your butt, you know, I'm just being real with you, okay, get your hinder parts, rear end, whatever you want me to call there, you better get your butt back to the house. And it was, it was literally, listen to me, it was the last call. If you heard that whistle, you knew that the next thing, if she come for you, she's bringing a hickory or watch this, a bedroom shoe. Them old flat bottom bedroom shoes with a little top of, hey now, them th- they'll wear you slam out. It was the last call. It was time to get our hind ends in the house. Well, here's what the Bible is doing for us tonight. He's, he's, he's got the Gospels out. He's, he's let the Holy Spirit, because every word is God breathed, as Paul wrote to Timothy. We know it's ordained. We know it's inerrant and infallible. It's the 66 canonized books of the Bible that we carry around, that we have at our, at, in our leisure at any time on our phones, on our devices. And we find him giving one last whistle, one last call. And I find it interesting, I find it interesting as I look at this and I think about revival and I think about the the way that we are in the world that we're living in now. I don't do news at all. Literally, I do no news whatsoever. And I I, I tell my people all the time, I don't have to because I'm friends with them on social media and they post about it. I just see what they post and scroll on. I just don't do news. I know the weather every day because my wife's a school teacher and the first thing she does when she gets up is check the weather. So if she's got car duty or recess or whatever, she teaches third grade. And so I, I know the weather. She, I call her Charlene Gertz. Do y'all remember Charlie Gertz? Some of y'all get that, right? I call her Charlene Gertz. She desperately know the weather. I don't do news. But I know that we're living in, in, a, in a perilous time. 
I know that we're living in an era where every little thing offends everybody. I know that we're living in a time where Jesus could come at any moment. I don't believe that, that the guys in years gone by were wrong when they say he's coming, come quickly, Lord. I believe he was just as ready then as he is now, but he gives us one last whistle. He gives us one last call. And so I want to break down a couple of thoughts to you this evening about that last call. And for you to be listening for that last call, to be looking for that last call, to be longing for that last call. When the eastern sky, it parts and the trump sounds and he calls us home or we go to him through death and the grave and we make our way into those uh, eternal heavenly places with the Lord. We are longing for that, but here he gives us this last call. And I just want to give you a few thoughts this evening about that. The first one is this. I wanted to show you out of this one verse, I believe it shows us God's greatest burden God's greatest burden now we hear the word burden and we think negative it's a burden I don't want you to listen to it like that or hear it that way it denotes the idea of duty or responsibility it's his burden it's his greatest burden not what political parties in office, not what side of the tracks that you live on, not how good your groceries are, not what, what your kids have, not where that you go to school, not, not all those things. And all those things are important, yes, but God's greatest burden it literally is found in one word here. Come. Come. Well, I know it's rocket science. I know you're saying, listen, I got out in the rain just to hear that. I'm telling you, our world needs to be reminded, especially his bride, his church. It needs to be reminded that God's greatest burden is not how pretty your building is, how big your budget is, or how balanced everything is, and how well everything looks and groomed. All that's important, yes. God's greatest burden is to see the lost men and women come to know him as Lord and as Savior. That's revival. You say, well, revival, body of Christ. I'll get there in a moment. God's greatest burden is come. Some, some, someone has done a study that's way smarter than me and has a lot more time on their hands in reading and preparation for tonight. It's some, uh, some 2,000 times our Lord invites people to come to him and studying your word of God. I challenge you to see if that number is correct. Just message me later. Over 2,000 times, I think that we would get the point that it is a burden of God. It's his greatest burden that, that, that people would come three times in his closing letter here. Three times in his closing letter, John tells him to come, and he says, come quickly, Lord. Night, come quickly, Lord. Now, you may be sitting there and think, well, wait a minute, I've got a son, I've got a daughter, I've got a neighbor, I've, I've got a mom, I've got a dad that's not saved yet. But I want you to listen closely tonight. Come quickly. For 2,000 times, he's sharing his heart. Over three times in the closing chapter, John invites people to come. It speaks of God's deep concern and his great compassion. It's his greatest burden. Let me share with you a couple cross-references, all right? We all know it. We learn to say it. But I think we just absolutely are flippant about it nowadays. John chapter 3, verse 16, there's a dialogue between Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord, and this dude named Nicodemus. And wrong about verse 16, we know it, John 3, 16, right? I asked somebody in here, probably the whole church, because I know Pastor Kenny and Miss Lynn. I know they've discipled you well. I know your student pastor is teaching our students and our young adults well. I know your children's ministry is doing well, so you probably could all, but we're so flippant about it. He simply says, for God so loved the world. God's greatest birth, for God so loved love the world you say that's so simple and so 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 flippant no i'm telling you that is so deep for god so loved the world another place the bible teaches us about the greatest burden of god which is to come is that listen in first timothy 2 4 it says that god desires that everyone that everyone or all be saved Preacher Porner used to say this. He said, every time, and my people know this, I've said this a hundred million times. I'm going to say it a hundred million and one tonight. Preacher Porner would say this. He said, you know what all means in the Bible? It means A-double-L. All. God wants all to be saved. I'm talking about the vilest. I'm talking about the Republicans. I'm talking about the Democrats. I'm talking about the independents. I'm talking about the men, the women, the black, the white, the red, the rich, the poor. Live on this side of the track or that side of the track or have track marks on their arm. God said he loved them all and he wants all of them to be saved. It is burden. Come. Come. He desires. He desires that people would be saved. 
You say, how do I know? I'll give you another example. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm, I'm here all night if you need me to be. Paul wrote the church at Rome and he said in Romans 5 verse 8, he said, And while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You see, I, I've done life, I've been doing this about 20 years. All right, now I know that's, I told Pastor before we started, that's about a quarter of the time he's been doing this. All right, he's probably forgotten more than I will ever know. But I've learned something about people. We see, I, I, I say none of them at one, right? Because I got a pretty good crew here tonight. Thank you for being crazy enough to listen to me twice in one Sunday. I have met a few folks, though, that they think they're doing God a favor by coming to church. They, they've gotten so accustomed to just going through the motion and coming to Sunday and coming to Sunday night. And listen, we know that the people that really love Jesus come on Wednesday night. I get it. I get it. Right? You've heard the preachers make, not, not this pastor, but you've heard people make you feel that way. Like, if you don't love Jesus, all the preacher's doing is saying, hey, I wish the crowd was a little bit better. Now, I know Pastor Kenny's not that way. You desire to be here. Why? Because he oozes with the Holy Spirit. He declares the righteousness. He preaches the word of God. But I have met a few folks, and I'm sure there's none here at First Baptist Westminster, that just think they do God a favor by showing up. They've been, they, they've been saved so long and got so comfortable with them going through the motions that they have forgotten that the greatest burden of God is for people to come. They just sit on the pew. You sit in a Sunday school class. You come to discipleship training. You make sure your children or your grandchildren are plugged in. But you lose the sight of the greatest burden. Come. You say, is it, that's, it is that simple. I don't get lost in theology. I don't preach so deep that I get stuck. And we all southern here, hopefully, that we get stuck in a rut. Y'all know what a rut? I get a little deep, but I don't want to get stuck. Because it's simple. I don't have to worry about those deep theological things. God's already sorted them out. I'm rightly divided. I know he's simply saying in this last call, that whistle that he's saying, here's what's important. Here's my burden. Come. 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 Yet while you were a sinner, Christ died. You see, church, God's burden. Listen to me. I'm going to go to my second thought. God's burden must become the church's greatest business. You hear me? God's greatest burden must, must, we have to get back to the original foundation, fundamental principles of kingdom living and kingdom work. I don't care how you package it. I don't care if you have the piano and the organ and the suit or you wear red chucks. I don't care if you're tattooed. I don't care if you got hair that's long or hair that's short or you don't have any hair at all. All right? I'm not, I'm not concerned about what you look like on the outside. Neither should you. Our business is not to sort them out by how they look or how they smell or where they come from. If you've not already picked up on that, he should come. And he says, let anyone who hears this say, Come. Come. God's greatest burden must become our greatest business. You say, well, how do you see that about the church? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. He, he literally says in the closing statement here, this last call, he says, the bride says, come. Well, who's the bride, class? Yeah, the church. The church of Jesus Christ. One church, First Baptist Third Baptist of Podunk Holler or First Flying Tambourine Chapel of Uptown. It's all part of the kingdom of God if they preach Jesus Christ, perfection, death, burial, and resurrection, and Holy Ghost filling and power equipped by Him through the preaching of His Word. His greatest burden has to be our greatest bit. Listen, I'm not coming up here to tear the turnip patch up. But you know, when I launched the church, I, 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 we sit down, we, have, we, we, we were run by God first and foremost. We're staff-led. We're run by trustees and elders. I don't have a deacon board. I don't have a deacon board. I teach the men and women of the church to be deacons. We're led by trustees and staff and elders. Made up of men and women that I believe love the Lord and want nothing but the kingdom to be prospered and to move forward. That understand this key principle. 
I don't have a say in anything. Do you know that? Not a one single pastoral staff at one church has a say in anything. I cast the vision, they make the decisions. I am the spokesman, I guess you would say. I'm the preacher. I told Pastor Kenny before we started tonight, I learned early on that I do what I'm gifted and called to do. <clears throat> and that's rightly divide the word of God. I don't meddle in the other stuff. I'm no good, I'll get us in trouble. And so I want you to understand, I say all that to say this, I don't have to go through monthly business meetings. I, I'm not knocking yours, I'm not knocking your deacon board, I'm not at all. I am not at all. I admire that. You do work. But it is a sad state when most people know more about the deacon board and what they say and what they have to do in the church when they don't really know that much about what God is doing in the church. They hear more about the business of the church instead of the burden of the church. You, you, you kind of picking up what I'm laying down? You see, our business is not to meddle in the political stuff. Never been that way. Our church and the business that we're supposed to be about is God's greatest burden, which is to come. He said, Jesus himself said, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. He said, I come to serve and not be served. You see, the greatest burden must become the greatest business of the church. It's not about our budget. It's not about our building. It's not about our buses. It's not about the beauty. It's not about the sound. It's not all those things are great. Thank God for deacon fellowships. Thank God for business meetings and all that stuff. And you say, well, how do you get away with that at one? I don't get away with anything. I, I just tell everything. I've been accused of, forgive me for my just crudeness, but I've been accused of having diarrhea of the mouth. I'm telling you, my trustees, especially in, this, in these latter days, they, they say, no, 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 preacher, don't say anything just yet. Don't say anything about that just yet. And you say, well, is that right? No, that's right. Because, see, as the kids are growing up, there are certain things that you, you don't lie to them about it, but you don't tell them the full truth. Why? Because they're not mature enough yet to handle the full truth. So just like the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, Sometimes we don't tell you certain things until we feel like you are ready to handle those certain things. The sad situation is, instead of maturing in the house of God, I see a lot of immaturity in the house of God. I see the most jealous and the most backbiting right here behind the sacred desk. I used to go to pastoral meetings. David Shirley is my pastor, by the way. You know who that is, right? That's your director of missions. So even though we're non-denominational, I'm still accountable to a Southern Baptist. All right, so don't, don't be too quick to write me off. I used to go to these meetings with him, and I, 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 I've shared this with him, and he knows my heart. And the church that he launched, they operate the same way. They don't have deacons at that church. Imagine that. We used to go to these pastoral meetings, and it would be on Monday morning. And, and they're great, and they would share. But I, I, really, I really lost desire to be there one Monday morning when on this end of the line of pastors an old boy was so excited he had one get saved in his church he was so excited but by the time it got to the third guy sitting in a row he done had 40 get saved in his church no I'm not suggesting 40 didn't get saved in his church but you get what I'm saying to you I'm not in the business of being in competition with anybody else I realize I don't look like every other preacher I was talking to old boys in the gym the other morning that asked me about a piece of equipment. And, and uh, if you know me and know me at all or follow me on any social media, you know I'm all about these things. I'm all about my faith. I'm all about my family. I'm all about my fitness, and I'm all about my fun. I weighed over 340 pounds at one time. I was a 48 in my waist and a 54 in my blazer. I was a big old dude at one time. My mama died. She had a lot of complications due to being obese. And so something triggered in me, the word of God said, you are the temple of God. I need you to be ready so that when Corey and Paige and Baker comes along a little favorite, all right, I remind them all the time of that. So when they come along in your life, you can go to Africa and bust block and volcanic rock and work on riggedy scaffolding over there made out of I don't know what. I need you to be healthy. And so I had these old two boys in the gym. They were talking to me. Some of you, we do life together like that. So they're talking in their ass, and, I, and, and this is, remember, God's burden is my business. That's it. And so they're asking me about this piece of equipment and how this and how that, and I begin to tell them a little bit of my story. And then watch this. Watch this, Mark. I slid a curve. I just, I just, I said, oh, and by the way, I'm a, I'm a Christian. 
I'm a pastor. <laughs> you should have, you should have, the look on both those old boys' face. Hello. Hmm. I said, I, I believe, you don't have to believe like me, but I believe that God has fearfully and wonderfully created our bodies. And I believe if we do this and we take care of that and we do our best, and I may die tonight, God forbid, I may die tonight, I'd like to see my daughter grow up a little bit more. I truly believe this. You see, just because they don't look like you does not mean that God doesn't love them. Do you understand me? Because their church is a little bit different than yours doesn't mean they don't deserve to hear the same gospel. Westminster is in desperate need of revival. Seneca is in desperate need of revival. Can you imagine? Amen. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? For just a moment, if God's greatest burden become really, I mean really become your business, that you really realize that all I'm to do is to come here, gather, recharge, and go back out. Last call. And I want to promise you something. He is only delaying because they, he doesn't desire for any to go to hell. But he could come at any moment. How serious are you taking it? God's greatest burden is salvation. God's greatest burden must become our business. You know what that entails? Let me, let me wander down just a little bit. Lifeway did a study of over some 15,000. If you, if you read any, any literature that's current, when they did this poll, they were talking about folks coming to church, about the business. Remember, come. Stay with me what I'm talking about. When they did this poll, they discovered something, and I was blown away by it. That 67% of Americans, that 67%, get that, 67% of, this is not an old survey, okay? This is recent. 67% of Americans said a personal invitation would be very effective, would be very effective in getting them to visit church. We've come to a place where we, we, we hardly talk to one another. I mean, I have times that I'm in, I'm in the front part of the house and one of my youngins will text me. Now, I'm okay with that sometimes because, you know, I mean, I love them, but they get on my nerves. Don't you look at me like that. Y'all understand what it's like. Some of you in the grandparent stage and you all like, it's my grandbabies. All right, okay. But you were there one time. We don't communicate anymore. And what's this stuff here? Well, I'm, I'm just going to meddle them over. What's this poke stuff? I, I'm on Facebook and I, somebody says, so-and-so poked you. Well, you need to poke somebody else. I don't know what that means, man. In case that's anybody here tonight, just make sure I put it out there. 67% of Americans currently said if they had a personal invitation, they would probably visit your church. Imagine that. I mean, we, I can remember, and, and again, starting this thing in, in, in the late 90s, I got saved in 1998. I was 23 when I gave my life to Jesus Christ at United Assembly of God under Pastor Bill Reinhardt. I would quickly go from there back to Lydia Baptist and, and start my journey and in calling into the ministry uh, under Dale Robertson, Carl Porner, Ralph Looney, these, some of these giants, uh, Mr. Price, uh, Mr. Tanner, all of these people that believed in me and saw something besides this rebellious, no good for nothing kid. And, and I started this journey. So I've been doing this a minute, and I, I, I've watched the trends of evangelism and revival I've watched them I don't know where in the world we get it so twisted that it's just listen it's, and I, I know I'm from Neri and I'm real simple like this okay and I don't mean that in a dumbed down way I mean just real simple what happened is just personally saying hey won't you come to church with me Hey, I'd love to see it. And that's what I said to those two old boys. They, once I got to the point, I said, oh, and by the way, the church I pastor, we meet at the high school down the road. Man, I don't know if where you go to church. I don't know your story. I pro you probably got kids. And, and, and the one fella said, I got a grandkid. I mean, I, and we got in this long conversation. And, and I said, well, this is where we go to church. I'd love to see you. And have the, did they show up this Sunday? No, they didn't show up this Sunday. But I did what I was supposed to do. His burden's my business. I'm always about my father's business. Do you remember Jesus telling his parents that? I'm always about my father. What did you not, you get it twisted? Just a personal invitation. And, and here, here's, here's, here's what I wanted to get to with this, is that the business of the church 
And I know it's all these different things and it's got its business side and it's deacons and there's, there's, there's business meetings and there's committees and there's teams and I'm not knocking any of that. I'm just simply saying that sometimes we get more focused on that and the community knows more about that than they know really what our business is. They know more about what we're against and who we're really for and what we're really about and they'll never darken our doors unless we personally invite them and that starts with a conversation. It's just a conversation. And if you don't think that's biblical, man, you have not read your Bible lately. John chapter 4 is a great example. You want revival, right? Spring for Jesus. You want revival. I want revival, man. And I told him this morning when I got the invitation at 1, I said, we're just going to have Paul's here. And we'll just pick it up tonight. First Baptist goes, man, my wife leaned in a minute ago. She said, I don't know if they're going to get revival. I see, boy, I see tears up here, people moving. I'm overwhelmed. I'm telling you, God is up to some things in O.C., and it starts with a conversation. In John chapter 4, Jesus, he says he needs to go through Samaria, and he stops by this well. And, and, and at that well, at that well, there is a woman there. She's a Samaritan woman. Y'all, y'all know this. Y'all, you guys are smart, so let me just get to the point. Do you know what I, I, I remember about the story in preparation for tonight and thinking in my heart right now? I don't remember any time that Jesus condemned her, judged her. I mean, he knew the truth because he was the truth. She realized quickly that he knew the truth. Yep, he's not my husband. Yeah, no, the, the five, you know what I mean? He, he, he put, yes, okay, he did. But she acknowledged it first. But what did he really just, he just simply started a conversation with her. He didn't criticize her. He didn't go on social media and blast her. He didn't use the social media platform to complain and to criticize about our nation and about a preacher or a denomination or, 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 or a political party or an officer or anything like that. He just simply started a conversation with her. She was different. It was taboo. Imagine that. He just started a conversation. You didn't know what happened when he started a conversation with her? Revival broke out. Because what did she do? She went back to Samaria and she said, Hey, you guys, you gals, you got to come and meet this guy. I'm paraphrasing right, but it just started with a conversation. 67% of people said if you would just invite them, they'd come to church with you. And I guarantee if you get them here, I, I know they're going to hear the word of God. I know that their kids will hear the word of God. It starts with the conversation. The other thing about this is that not only is it about a conversation... But when it starts there and you get them here, she goes back and they come in. Remember, he said, come and anyone that hears this, the bride must be about this business because it's his greatest burden. And you start a con- just a simple conversation. Just a simple conversation. What led to this is a community. You know what people desire? They desire real conversation, not criticism, not judgment, just conversation. The Bible says speak the truth in love. I understand if your brother or your friend is living a life that is harmful and sinful, that you ought to speak the truth in them, say that is dumb, and you ought to not do that. I get that. I'm not, I'm not excluding that. But just a simple conversation. Instead of complaining because they didn't refill your water or tea fast enough, or you had to wait a little longer, or because there's only one line at Walmart that's really checking people out. The wall, don't get me started on Walmart. Anyway. He people are employed by Walmart. I want to make sure I keep that cool. They do help us, all right? Where was I? Community. Community. People want a genuine conversation, and they want true community. When we named our church, we named our church One Community Church. I could have hired somebody way smarter than me and the people around me to come up with a snazzier name than that. But we couldn't get away from where Paul wrote the church at Galatia, and he said there's neither male nor female nor no Greek and no barbarian, there's no slave, there's no, we're all one in Christ, so that's why it's one. The other thing is this, is I was, I was so adamant about having community there. A lot, we've shortened it up for, for, for advertisement and marketing and stuff in these latter days, and it's just one church. But the community part was so key to me. Because, see, I, I want to be a part of a family. I want to be a part of folks that just really love me, that accept me in my weird ways, my loud, my long-windedness, my, my, my antics, my silliness, my, my neurology. I, I wanted to be around people that just simply love me. Now, they love me enough to tell me the truth, but they just love me. And everywhere I go, I want to be that kind of person. I want to make sure that the people that I do life with know that I love them and I got their back no matter what. Our little old church, we, we, have, a, we have a relatively small budget. We don't have any real deep pockets to go to our church. I, I, I'm always quick to, to brag 
Last year in foreign missions, we, we raised somewhere nearly $20,000. We probably give more than that in, in totality uh, to what we're keyed into. Not only did we do that, but just in our front yard and in our backyard and in our side yards, that little old church of about 150 people strong, they, they, they give somewhere around uh, $18,000 to $20,000 just in this community. Whether it's through FCA, whether it's through a student, whether it's paying somebody's power bill, whether it's putting groceries in the cabinet, you see, his burden's my business. How am I going to know if they have a need if I don't start a conversation with them? And then when I start a conversation with them and they, they learn that they can trust me and that I'm not out to hurt them, then we can build community together. We can be family. Because I'll tell you the same thing I tell my people. Don't put your trust in me. I'll let you down and hurt your feelings. I don't mean to and don't want to, but I will because I'm human and I live in flesh. But if I can point you to the one that will never fail you, never leave you nor forsake you, that will never let you down. He doesn't sleep nor slumber and he won't let your foot slip. He will catch you every time. Then you will do well. It's a catchphrase around my house. You go with God, you can't go wrong. You see, his burden has to be our business. And let me tell you this last thought and I'm out of here. Listen, hang on. God's greatest burden, come. This is the last call. You better get serious. His burden ought to become our business. Come. It's not up to Pastor Kenny, Pastor Matt, Pastor Mark, any of the staff. It's not up to just them. It's up to all of us. We've all been called into the ministry. Every one of us knows someone that needs to hear, come. We know, we know someone that needs to simply say, hey, won't you come with me? I love it. Two of my, two of my folks tonight as they come in, one of, my, one, of my, one of my men said, hey, I invited all my friends. I couldn't really get none to come. I said, that's all right. You're here. That, that's, what, that's what it matters to me. You're here. God knew you needed to be here. Had, had, had some that visited us this morning. Now, they're crazy because they visited for the first time this morning. They not only, not only hung around for the whole service, but they come tonight and brought other people with them tonight, Pastor. That's just the way it works. His burden, our business. Thank you, Miss Sandra. God's doing some incredible things. Who's here tonight because of you? No, no, don't answer that. Think about that. Who's here because of you? Just a simple invitation. Just a simple invitation. Because here, here's the last thought. Not only is it God's greatest burden... Not only is it our greatest business, but here's the last thought. It's when we get to this place, we understand and get back to the simplicity of just simply telling others about Jesus, to show them the way, to love them, to have a simple conversation with them, to listen to people instead of criticizing them, to create community, family around them, then here's what they discover, mankind's greatest blessing. It's all in this one verse. I promise you, I'm not making anything up. It, it, it literally says... God's burden is come. Some, some over 2,000 times, he says, come. Then he says, the bride says, come. He's saying, that's our business. I got the church. I saved you. I put the Holy Ghost in you, and I sent you. And said, you know, he didn't save you to sit, soak, and look good on a shelf. He saved you to serve. He set you free. He removed your grave closer than you can tell others. This is the way. Look at what he has done at a simple conversation. This is who he is. He's the burden bearer. He's the, he's the weight lifter. He is the great and almighty. He's the one that's really behind the curtain. He's the one that causes all things to work together for our good. And when we get people to that place, then they discover their greatest blessing because it literally says, let anyone who thirsts come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. You ever been real thirsty? Now, I didn't get water. But I will never, and you will always hear me preach this. So we're, we're working in Rwanda. We, we go to Rwanda. Uh, we spend a couple weeks there every year. And uh, we partner with RCRI. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we talked about Kenny this morning, we're talking about Pastor Kenny. Addie come over. She got really excited. She thought we were talking about Kenny in Rwanda. I was like, no, it's a different Kenny. They look a little different too. And uh, don't tell them I said that. This past, this past summer, we're over there, we're working, we're out, we're, we, we, we do a lot of things, but one of the things we do is we, we help restore a home, and they live in, 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 in adobe-like brick, I don't know how to kind of get you to understand, you have to mix the mud, and it's crazy, you get in with your feet, and, you miss, and it's hot, I mean, we're in Africa, man, all right, it's hot, and, and, and the year before, we had a, a crew to come out from the village and help us, but this, this, this past summer, it was just us, and uh, for at least a few days, 
And, and I'll be honest with you, Pastor, I was getting my tail whooped. I mean, I don't have no slow in me. I don't have no quit in me either. And it was one day, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'd run through my water. We'd run through our water. And Kenny, our missionary buddy that's there, I mean, his family, he's like a brother to me. There's no finer human being than Kenny. And I won't even try to pronounce his last name. You wouldn't understand it anyway. You remember he goes to the store and he comes back. And I, 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 I'm not promoting any, any drink at all, okay? But he had one of these, what I would, I'm old school, one of these pony bottles of Coke Zero. Now, where he went up to town to get, he biked up to the town or had one of the bikes. He come back and he had one of these. And I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the best Coke Zero I ever had in my, I don't think I'll have one ever again that was as good as that Coke Zero. And it, listen, in Africa, it was cold. Wow. I'll never forget how that felt. And I mean, just, and then the caffeine, the pickup from it, right? Yes, sometimes I get down. I, I know it's hard to believe, right? But I, I mean, have you ever just really been thirsty? And, and here's where I just want to, I just want to kind of tie it all together right here, okay? Because I've, I've kept you, my, my time is up. It's about 7.20. Now stay with me. Don't, don't, don't get too antsy on me, okay? All right? Have you ever really been thirsty? Now what he's talking about in context here is two types. He's speaking this to, to anyone. Now, that points to the universal significance of this offer. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. But if we look closely and do a little inspection, a little study here, he's really two types of thirsty, okay? And, and I'm just going to break it down this way. There, there's the unbelievers and their thirst. You see, the unbeliever and how thirsty they are, they're, they're those that are dehydrated and they're near death. You can't go without water. You understand that? You can't go along without water. And so what he's saying to this is anyone that thirsts, come and drink freely. It's been paid for. It's the coldest, the most refreshing. Listen, he wants you to come and he wants you to drink from the spout where the glory comes out. He told that woman at the well, if you knew what, who I was and what water was really about, you will drink of this water and you will never thirst again. See, the people that are out there outside the walls or maybe even here that was invited for revival tonight, you're thirsty. You're desperate. You're dehydrated. You are dying and you are drowning in your sin. He said, come freely. Now quench your thirst. The other side of that is that he's not only speaking of thirsty unbelievers, but he's speaking, I believe, with all my heart to thirsty believers. Now let me break that down as we move toward invitation. This is what revival is about. You see, there's thirsty believers. Now, you're saved. I, I know. I get it, right? You're saved. But you as dry as a desert. You ain't had a shouting spell in years. You don't have the joy of the Lord. You creak when you walk. You crusty. You, hey, this, this is a, I got taught this by a church lady. You're cantankerous. Now, I won't say she said that to me, okay? You're just cantankerous. You're bitter, you're dry, you're thirsty, you're parched. Oh, you go through the motions, you look good, you even clean your car up and comb your hair on Sundays. You'll amen, preacher. You'll drop a dime in the offering plate. You'll support, you'll give, you'll do, but you just absolutely are going through the motions. And it's been years since you've been excited to be a child of God. And the reason that people are thirsting to death around you is because you're not drinking from the well anymore. You're dry. The psalmist, you say, it can't be. Yes, it can, because the psalmist said this, return the joy of my salvation, Father. I don't ever want to get over the Easter Sunday in 1998 when I understood clearly and saw Jesus for who he is and who he will always be to me is my Savior. And I saw myself in that reflection as a worthless piece of trash that was living from party to party and only cared about myself. I was the picture of the song Highway to Hell. I'm not exaggerating. That's why my daughters will never get anything over on me been there done that oh I'm not suggesting that you got to be that person like me that's like woo, praise the Lord amen hallelujah give me a tambourine woo. 
No, no, no. It has no image. It has no look. It's not, it's not that. It's inside here. This is what real revival is about. This is what the last call is about. I'm saying to you tonight, ask him to return the joy of your salvation. Make you contagious. Get excited to know that you're a child of God. Don't ever get over the fact that he loves you. That yet while you were a sinner, Christ died. I know you've been living a righteous life for years now. I know some of you were in church nine months before you was even out of the womb. I get you know all the red back hymns. I know you can quote the King James Version and carry the 1611 edition. I don't know how you read it. Oh, I understand it. Yes, I know all about it, man. And I don't want nothing to do with it. Give me two that are sold out, blood-bought, born again, and on fire, and I will absolutely change the people around me. You see, if you're thirsty, he said, just come get a drink. Just come get a drink. It's already been bought. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to have a cup. You don't have to dig the well. Just come freely drink. You want revival? I do. I want to be contagious. I want to be so on fire for God that they even get in the proximity of me, they start sweating. Like that dude's crazy. He's nuts. Paul said, call me a fool for Christ's sake. I'll adhere to that. I'm just foolish enough to believe he can do all things. I'm just foolish enough to believe that he wants to do a big revival in First Baptist Westminster. I believe God's already got the people right here to do a work that is far beyond anything you could think, dream, or imagine possible. I started a series this morning called Limitless. We box God up. God said, let me out the box. Let me out the box. Are you thirsty? Will you stand to your feet with me, please, as I close the service? Every head bowed, every eye closed. My team will begin to play. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thirsty. You're literally thirsting to death. Now, you don't feel like you deserve a drink. That's okay. That's a great prerequisite to salvation. For none is worthy. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible is clear about this truth. That you have to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Now let me help you with that. It is simple. It is not a denominational saying or slogan. There's no such thing as a simple ABC. I understand the vacation Bible school concept. It is this. It is Jesus. For there is no other name that is given There is no other name that brings life. There is no other name that will quench the thirst that you have. You were born thirsty. You've tried to fill it with relationships. You've tried to fill it with hobbies. You've tried to fill it with overtime. You've tried to fill it with relationships. You've tried to fill it any way you possibly can. You can't quench that thirst. Only Christ can quench that thirst. Here's your last call. You say, I need that. I want that. I want to drink. I want to have Christ then let me help you. Say from your heart with your mouth, Jesus, for there's no other name. Save me. Forgive me. I turn. Church word there is repent. It's not a bad word. It's a godly word. I don't want to live like I've been living anymore. I turn from the way I've been living and I embrace your way for my life. And God, if you'll have me, here I am. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but if, if you prayed to receive Christ for the very first time, I mean really for the first time from your heart, and you meant it on the count of three, I don't want you to be ashamed. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, six, boom. That was me. I got you. I got you. That's all right. Now, maybe you are here in this altar call, and you're like the thirsty that's just bitter, that's just dry. That needs a little dab of WD-40. You just squeak. I beg you to come to the altar tonight and say, Father, turn the joy of my salvation.
help me to be burdened and be about your business. Set me on fire. I really want to spring from this meeting. I really want to launch. It's not too late. I promise you, it's not too late. Father, it's your house, it's your people, I'm your spokesman. It was your word. And I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so, God, I've tried my best to declare it and rightly divide it. Now, will you do a work? Thank you for the salvation in the house. But will you do a work amongst your believers? Would you just find a bunch of people that are thirsty and want to be refreshed and restored? Do a work here tonight in Jesus' name. Hey, when you look this way, they will lead you in song. I'm going to turn the service over in just a moment to your pastor and staff. But I want you to know if you have special need, I don't know how you handle altar call around here on a regular basis. It's a, it's a Sunday night. We, we, we're guests in the house, so we're just going to kind of do it as the Holy Ghost leads. Maybe you have a need for a loved one. Maybe it's a personal need for yourself. I want you to come. I believe the Bible's very clear. It says, let those that are sick among you. That means those that are burdened, those that are struggling. That it's a call on the elders, the elders, the, the ones that are in spiritual authority in the house of God. Let them anoint them with oil. Let them lay hands on them. Hey, listen, won't you come tonight? Maybe for yourself. Maybe to stand in the gap for someone or a loved one. But the altar is open. Maybe you are here tonight and you receive Christ. Come let one of the pastoral team know that you receive Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never been baptized by water immersion. Listen, Jesus set the pace. He set the example. It's high time you publicly declare that He is your Lord and that He is your Savior. Won't you come? Our altar is open. Pastor Thad, will you lead them please? Team, will you lead them? Pastor Kenny, will you come and be ready? There will be others that will work the altar. Alright, won't you come? I'll stay for a moment. If you need me, want me to pray for you? It's okay, come. Pastor's here, come. Find a place at the altar. It's safe. If you're in the wall, they'll let you out. If you're sitting in the middle, they will let you out. They may come with you. Won't you come? Won't you come?
Hey, Pastor Joe, hey, will you celebrate everybody in the house? Listen, we have a new brother in Christ tonight. Give his heart to Jesus. Cassandra this morning, give her life to Jesus Christ. She's in the back back there. Wanted to make sure that what she has is solid. It takes root. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is able. His burden must be our business because it's mankind's greatest blessing. Amen, that's right. That's all he saved us to do. Right. You understand? Pastor Kenny, thank you so much. FCA. Uh, he's not kidding. And you want to talk about a live wire? Woo! You better hold on. He's like this all the time. That's no. I bet. Right? All right. Let's uh, let's pray together. Lord, we just want to pause for a moment as we wrap. An incredible corporate worship time where we collectively came together just to praise you and to honor you with our lips and our ears. Father, it's my prayer that as we leave here tonight that we take this, that Lord, this fuel us in the days ahead as we scatter all over the area, in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever it may be. Lord, that our faith would be that contagious. And 
that we would be like Paul in Romans 1. Not ashamed of the gospel. But God, we'd make it our business to make sure that others know who you are. Lord, we love you. We thank you for first loving us. Pray all this in Christ's name.